Purvis, Leon, Alice, Worship, leading us way. So, for those who don't know me, my name is Jacques. It's my wife and son, Nita and Joshua. We're serving here on their eldership, and uh, yeah, um, Matthew and Sarah are also sitting there, co-leading with us um, this morning. So, we're in the month of September. I'm doing a s- series on patience. And we unpacked some of the things last week um, on that. I need to remember to stand still, eh? Can I walk around this time? Okay, I'll test you. Um, yeah, so, so patience, and we spoke of it in context of hope. And I'm going to review. Go through some of the principles that we discussed on a, on a high level this morning. But I think patience is firstly, it's an attribute of God's character. It's who God is. It's part of him. And as we grow in following Jesus, guess what? We're going to grow in patience. Romans 8 says, and I think um, around about... Verse 28, it says, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So if that's true, which it is, then we're going to grow in patience. It's part of a fruit of a spirit. Galatians 5, laying down the fruit of a spirit. And that's part of who God is. Now, if we are called to, to fulfill his purposes here on earth, so firstly, he calls us to him, we get saved um, we are delivered out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, um, Colossians 1.13. So he invites us into this whole new reality where we obtain this freedom as children of God, which we, we sang and spoke of earlier this morning. But once we step into that freedom, that freedom is not for our own sake to pursue our own pleasure, build our own dreams. He doesn't save us for our sake. He saves us for his sake, for relationship and for his glory. And from that place, for us to keep on following Jesus, we're going to have to keep on doing what his word says, right? Um, so that's just a bit in terms of where patience fits in. And many times we, we relate to patience, could relate to it in almost a negative way because when we think of patience, we think maybe of traffic and we think of how short-tempered we can sometimes be and um, we need to grow in patience. But I think a big thing to remind ourselves and realize it's, it's part of God in us is patience. When we grow in patience, it's the Holy Spirit inside of us growing, if you like. That's not the right way to put it, but I mean our spirit becoming one with him. And if we just go through some of these slides of, of last time. Um, let me just get this going here. So we looked at some of the definitions last time of, 
of patients in the New Testament, we saw that it, it related to being long-tempered, and like I mentioned, it is a fruit of a spirit, and it's, it's part of God's character um, being fulfilled in us. And patience is it's almost not a thing on its own. It's a description of how we do things. So, different translations, New King James Version, for instance, spoke of patience. Some of your newer translations speaks of endurance and steadfastness. So, there's those two words that, that denotes that. So, the one slide we said, patience implies suffering, enduring or waiting as a determination of a will and not simply under necessity. So, that's us exercising us our will, choosing to be patient. So it's not circumstances that force us, we're powerless, and now we have to be patient. It's a place of us choosing to be patient, choosing to reflect God's character, if you like. Joyce Myers um, also framed it well, saying, patience is not the ability to wait, but how you act when you are waiting. And that's an important thing because we can wait and we can wait patiently. We can endure and we can endure patiently. And those are two different things. And if your ingredients differ, your outcome will differ. So in the end, there's a place where we can actually wait and endure, not, doing pa- not do it patiently and end up not looking like Christ. Um, we can end up looking um, almost feeling entitled, but God, why didn't you do this? Or I felt you had to do this. I had this promise or that promise. And we almost can become hardened of heart. We're waiting patiently as that place of continually surrendering ourselves to God. It's the state of waiting. So we patiently wait. And the picture I had on there in terms of just where I see patience fits in, and we're going to go through the scriptures showing that, is just the idea of patience is the key to hope. Now, patience, when I say that, I don't mean that patience is a key to something, and that's all it is. Patience is an end in itself. Like I said, it's the character of God. So, It's not only a key that we use, okay, we have to get patience so that we can do this and this. It's it's part of who God is. It's an end in itself. We need to become patient. But without patience, there's a lot of things that we're not going to get access to in the kingdom, that we're not going to be entrusted to, which makes sense, right? Because how does God want us to reflect him by giving us ownership of things, but not reflecting him in how we do it. So therefore, it makes sense that growing in patience almost strengthens us to do certain things. If you think about, I I, I get these, um, what's this world record, um, Guinea's Book of Record videos for some reason on my feed. And there's all these random things that show up. I don't know. I think people think out what hasn't been done and then they go set up a, a record for that. But if you have to think about doing a specific activity where there's a lot of competition, 
then you're probably going to have to build your, in sport, for instance, certain muscles that's going to help you do that better. I mean, if it's rugby and you're scrumming, probably your legs or boxing. So there's different areas that, that you're going to focus on. And in that sense, patience it, um, helps create that environment where God's promises can come to fulfillment in our lives. So we have hope, which we're going to look at now, and then we have patience as the key to hope in the context of what I just said. So Hebrews 10 verse 36 speaks of it. It says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So there's a place where we have done what we should have done, or we've been obedient, but then we still need to wait on God. We still need endurance so that we can receive it. It's like ordering an Uber. You order it, but the car is not there in front of you. You still have to wait for it. If I just simplify that in a sense, your payment has already gone off, um, but you still need to receive it. And that's, we need to patiently endure few verses on in Hebrews 11, just giving the description of faith again. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the, evidence, the conviction of things not seen. So, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So, there's something that can be hoped for, but it is not seen. It's like having the blueprint, the architecture, actual plans of a building. You can see it already. It's almost real for you, but it cannot be seen. And I think for many of us, we understand that principle of faith, of standing in faith for something is growing so that it becomes so real to us. We're walking as if it is real, but it's not. But we're prophetically walking in that obedience. And Romans 8, just expanding on that hope that we have as Christians in our identity as children of God. It says from verse 22, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons for the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is not seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And that was a big focus of last week, describing just how that looks. So there's a place where we hope for what we do not see. So there's an interplay between faith, endurance, and patience there. So there's... Everyone knows that scripture is Isaiah 40, waiting on the Lord. That's one thing, and, and we wait on. It's obviously faith that we're, we're focused in on, that hope. So our, our faith is defined by the hope that we have. And how do we wait for it? We need to wait for it with patience. So again, that picture, just having the hope there. And this week... Um, Quibus was also there. We were at an event where Tuli Mandansola, how do you pronounce the name? Mandansela, sorry, um, was speaking. And the one thing she mentioned, just in terms of 
the responsibility of ordinary citizens in South Africa is just our responsibility to carry hope. Because where there's no hope, we saw what happened to looting in the country. Where people are hopeless, there's nothing else to live for. So you can, yeah, it, it just it creates more disorder. And just the importance of that, of holding on to that hope. But that's just a, a side note. But I think for many of us, we've received promises from God. Um, we've even explored in more clarity with God how that looks like. So we have that hope. We can see hope. But then sometimes, now we have that hope, but it doesn't come to pass, right? So it says, like it said in that verse in Romans 8, we wait for, we need to wait for it with patience. And the thing is, of the problem with not being patient is obviously being impatient. And if we think of it, impatience is that place where we almost lose hope we, or we let go of hope. So by not having patient, we can, patience, we can, from running before we are sent, so God tells us this is the vision and we're like, okay, we want to make it happen now. So we jump in and we do it on our own strength and we're premature in the way or we're, we're a bit ahead of God in terms of just running with it. Or we just become despondent and start complaining and murmuring. Also a way of letting go of that promise. And we see what's the effect of that with a nation of Israel. I mean, those who fell into that couldn't enter the promised land because they basically let go of hope, even though God so clearly told them what they lay ahead of them. So not having patience in the end has the effect that we actually can abort, the, it's an extreme word, but abort or reject or eject the will of God in our lives. Um, God lays out the plan and he has already given it to us. It's like um, that Uber that is coming. He has given us that promise, but for us, like Hebrews 10 verse 35 says, um, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So God has laid that before us. Obviously, it's a lamp onto our feet, so it's not always that we know everything, but many times he has given us clear depictions or visions of that. And on the route to that, we become impatient and we press eject. And those things don't come to pass then in our lives. Um, I had a quote on there from Henry Nowen that says, A waiting person is a patient person. The word patience means the willingness to stay where we are and live the situation out to the full in the belief that something hidden there will manifest itself to us. So it's that knowing that there's more in the situation, patiently waiting on God or enduring knowing that God wants to use this for good. We see that in Romans 8, where he says he makes everything work out for the good for those who love him. So, don't want to get ahead of myself, but I mean, you would obviously have seen in scriptures and just connotations to patience that suffering is a big part of it. Somewhere, 
We don't like patience because somewhere it might mean that suffering is involved. We like know somewhere that's going to come in. And I mean, we, we live in a fallen world, right? So suffering and those circumstances are going to be part of things always. It's like when someone from the northern parts of the country come to Cape Town, you can tell them, listen, you're probably going to have four seasons in a day. It rains in winter, not in summer. It's really cold. These are things that you can tell them just because they are in the Western Cape. It's basically going to be how it is. It's not because of them. That's just how it is. And us being here on earth, suffering is going to be part of it. Whether you're saved, unsaved, believe in Jesus, don't believe in him. Suffering is part of a package here on earth. So, but the great news is through Jesus, it's like he allows suffering to be used so that we can be conformed to the image of Christ. He repurposes suffering for the good. Where the enemy wants to use it for your destruction, God through Jesus repurposes it for your growth in him so that you become more like him. Amen? So, and yeah, so let's look at the next scripture that I have on there that just also speaks to that. Romans 5 verse 3 to 5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. And that endurance is also seen as patient endurance. So, just amazing to see that God wants us in suffering to rejoice. Um, we had that sermon about two weeks ago by Siku that just also unpacked that um, greatly. But see there that we need, if we break the chain, if you like, in terms of not being patiently enduring, it won't produce character and won't lead to have hope. So again, my... My little drawing there. Just sometimes we give up hope. And, and endurance is a case of putting your head down and enduring. And I think for many of us, we understand endurance because we, how we got to where we are at some stage in our lives, we just had to endure and push through. Whether it was studies at, or somewhere work, somewhere in life, you had to endure. So we know how to endure, but the thing is, how do we patiently endure? And that's almost that condition of our heart while enduring and not giving up hope, not just enduring for endurance sake, but actually enduring because there's a hope set before us. And for some of us, we need to, not for some of us, all of us, we need to refresh, almost press refresh on that hope and discover it and dig deeper into what does that hope mean that we we have in Christ, in our identity as Christ. I mean, we find so much purpose in our day-to-day work. And if you think someone that sweeps the streets, for instance, shouldn't have less hope in Christ than you have, because it's the same. But we tend to I just realized that this week, find so much in where we are in life, in our position, that we almost water down the hope that we have in Christ. 
And there's nothing wrong in having achieved a lot of things, but I think there's a lot wrong with having our hope in secondary things rather than having our hope in Christ. That is really why we're here on earth. Um, I had this other picture as well just to go further. Um, So if the promise and what you put your faith out for is the fish in the ocean, you can't see it, but you know it's there. So by faith you throw in the rod and you hook it. Then where patience comes in is reeling it in and just the the need for that. But this week we're going to focus on suffering as a vehicle for patience. Because in our walk with God, I mean, we, we grow as a spiritual baby. We give our lives to Christ. And it's amazing because we've been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Our whole reality has changed. And that's huge. It's so beautiful to just think of a prodigal son. How, how His reality changed when He came back to the Father. And in that same way, we came we come back to the Father. But then there's a place where we say, okay, God, I want to do everything for you. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to sign up for whatever it takes. Take everything. And then it's noted in heaven that you signed up for it and you're saying yes. And we obviously, to keep following Jesus, we need to keep saying yes. And sometimes some of us might think, Jesus, just say everything. You can offend. You can't offend me. I'm here to stay. And some of the disciples did that as well. And then in the end, uh, being human in our weakness, we tend to drop the ball somewhere. But with God's unconditional love, he's, he's always there. But So we start out our Christian lives, and we get washed by the Word, and we receive teaching, and we have this fullness of life that we're experiencing. And I almost see it like, if you have an ornament or something, let's call it a steel ornament that has been underground for a long while and it's full of ground and you use water to wash it off, maybe a little bit more pressured water to get the dirt off, but maybe there's rust that came to it. And many times in our lives, we go through times where we get washed with the water and all those things. That is really good, but sometimes there's deeper intervention needed so that we can receive that freedom that we have in Christ. And sometimes we don't have it within our own framework or strength to save ourselves out of this, and our stubbornness stops us from really surrendering it to Christ. And like I mentioned earlier, it's amazing that God uses all things for the good because we're placed on earth where there is suffering, so God is using suffering to... to to work together for the good. I'm not with that saying that suffering is from God. Um, All suffering and obviously things like abuse and things is is not part of a conversation when we, we speak of this. But there's a place where suffering is a tool to help us to grow. So if you have to think, if something is rusted, you have to take steel with steel and start knocking it, um, even start grinding it. And if you think of that as your life, I mean, that's obviously painful. If you have a cancerous cyst in you that takes an operation to cut out, I mean, it's painful in the moment, 
But as we'll see later in Scripture, it's still for the good. If you want to, to walk in that fullness that Christ gives you, we're going to go through times like this. So, again, Joyce Myers quote, Patience is not the ability to wait, but how you act when you are waiting. And then we come to our scriptures for today, and I'm going to read most of them directly from the Word and not display it. So, follow on your, your phone or, or Bible if you have it. But the first one we still have on the screen, and that's the famous James 1 verse 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Some King James Version says patience, others says endurance. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Um, it's interesting to go read through that in different versions and just see different ways people depict that, but it ends up being various kinds because we won't all go through the same trials or in the same time in our lives, but it's applicable to us all. And just seeing that how these trials work together when we endure through them um, to make us perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And that's what Christ wants to do in us. And sometimes, like I said, I have a picture there of a welder. It can feel like when you go into that season, as if God might be flapping down his um, protective gear and switch on the, the laser cutter and start working in your life because it's painful in the moment, right? But obviously, in a context of knowing that he's a loving father, and as we'll read, we know that it's working out for the good. 1 Peter 1 verse 7 speaks of that, that our faith is being purified um, like gold in fire. And that's immense heat that's used to purify gold. And in the same way, the scripture says, let me just go to that. In the same way, the scripture says, such is our faith. We as we keep on following Jesus, there would be the heat of life would be used to purify our faith, and we can rejoice in that. So verse 6 and 7 says, In this you rejoice, now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it just speaks to that dynamic of that suffering that, that is used if we endure patiently. So we said in the beginning there's a place of enduring and just trying to be strong, and then there's a place of patiently enduring inside of us and for that we need that patience we we need to approach it in a in a way of patience 
And but what happened? And uh, I mentioned earlier, as we discussed last week, many times we have this hope in our lives, but then when we don't walk in patience, we almost let go of that hope. And I think Yuan um, somewhere shared something that that um, he heard from a, a guy that spoke about that learning curve thing, Yuan. But I can't remember what you called it. But anyway, the principle is, as you go through life, you get opportunities or circumstances where you need to grow to progress to the next level. But if you postpone or sidestep those times in your life for too long, you get to a stage where suddenly you have to jump quite a lot. And in those cases, people can just become despondent because... They get to a, and some people say that's part of a midlife crisis. You get to a place where the jump you have to take is just too much. Um, and that just speaks to our next verse for me in John 15 as well, um, where Jesus speaks about the vine. Um, let me just go to that. And we can maybe. Read together if you have your Bible or phone with you. So Jesus saying, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So, I mean, as we grow the scripture says we're going to get more opportunity to grow. We're going to be trimmed so that we bear more fruit because it's for God's glory that we bear fruit and, and grow in him and become like Christ. And we have this fake peach tree at our home. It looks like a peach tree, but it's not, but it has those blossoms. I don't know if it comes from China. might be. But so Diabia being as proactive as he likes to be for Let's cut the branches now while it's not flowering so that when spring comes, it will flower. And that's that same principle. I think it's starting to flower now, and I think it's flowering more because we cut the branches. And it's that same thing where where we bear fruit. Obviously, God wants us to bear more fruit, to grow more in him, and that would require more pruning. But where we don't bear fruit... The branches are cut off and that just connects for me with where we lose hope and possibly because of impatience with God and, and our circumstances, we almost press eject, not proactively, but by not following in that way on what God is doing in our lives. And sometimes those cycles or purpose of God in our lives gets aborted, like with uh, Israelites walking in the desert and not being able to go into the promised land. And we see there that where we lose patience, or not lose patience, but we don't walk in that patience that is required in the time, we won't bear fruit because James says, where we walk in that endurance, we will become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We will flourish in that circumstance. 
And the same with a tree, when you cut its branches, it, it bears fruit and it, and it blossoms. Going on in verse 3, it says, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And that just so beautifully shows that Jesus is not asking us to go sit in the corner, produce fruit and come back. He's saying, abide in me. He's calling us closer to him. So in that place of suffering, it's a place where God is calling us closer to him so that we can abide in him. It's not a thing of go sort out yourself and when you'll sort it out, come back. We see that in the story of a prodigal son as well, where the son, prodigal son goes away to go live out his dream. And then he comes back and he starts thinking, what am I going to say to my father? And he rehearses everything that he's going to say to him, how he's been a bad son, but now he's coming back. And when he comes to the father, he starts opening his mouth. And it's as if the father is not hearing him. He, the father just says, calls the servants and says, start clothing him, start preparing the celebration because my son was away. He was dead and now he's alive. And we see the heart of a father is that of when we mess up and we come back to him, he's, not, he's, he's calling us back in and receiving us unconditionally given that we have repented, turned away of our sins like that prodigal son did when he, when he came back. So Jesus is calling us to abide in him. And verse 5, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. And, yeah, so just in terms of a role of patience in our lives, in terms of Staying in the circumstances like that one quote said and receiving that fullness of God in that moment. So to expand in Hebrews 12, it also speaks of suffering. I'm going to read for us there from verse Hebrews 12, verse 3 to 11. And it, it speaks about discipline. But if you go read at what the, some of the commentary says about that word discipline, it speaks about training and in, instructing like you would do a, a, um, a child. So like we said in the beginning, we live on earth where there's suffering, where there are these circumstances, and God chooses this to discipline, if you use that word, train and instruct us in a way of godliness so that we may become perfect and complete, lacking nothing in Christ. So let's read that. From verse 3, it says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not re God lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. 
It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and respected them. Shall we not much more be subjected to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And that's where we need to, by patience, submit ourselves to God in those circumstances so that we can yield ourselves to him. So that even though that discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, these circumstances being used to train and educate us, um, it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And then it starts making sense why we should rejoice in these circumstances because God is using it for our good. Romans 8 in verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to, to us. For the creation waits for the eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And there's that place as our identity as children of God, where God has put this great hope in front of us. Creation is yearning for the revealing of the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Our circumstances, the world out there, hungers for that hope that we have in Christ. And we're going to encounter these sufferings that cannot compare with the glory that is to be revealed within us. But we need to wait for it with patience and endure in the circumstances. And just in your own life to realize that suffering is going to be part of it. That's not a problem. And we don't need to create new ideologies or theologies about suffering and just continually almost endure it but not endure it patiently we need to abide in Christ in those and and rejoice from that place so this morning in in closing I would like us to to pray together and I felt like for many of us we've walked with the Lord for quite a while and we've had disappointments where we almost feel like God almost let us down in a way. And just felt that's a place where God actually wants us not to stay in the circle of, um, like the Israelites, staying in the desert. But he wants us to be free from that. But for that, we need to go through this time of suffering patiently so that he can do that work inside of us, so that we can almost graduate to the next level, if you like. Um, because he wants us to bear more fruit. And where there's something in our hearts, and maybe, Quibus, if you can come talkle for us um, as we go into a time of worship, but 
where there's times in your life where you haven't moved on because of that. You were, you, for whatever reason, we don't have to always understand every reason, but there is a place where we can repent of not having walked in that patience because time can go by, but the condition of our hearts will stay the same. And that's an unfortunate place where we many, many times people's lives are almost shipwrecked because of that. But through Jesus Christ, God has paid that penalty so that we can freely and boldly come to Him. And yeah, so as we close our eyes, I would just like to, to pray for that. And the, the other areas for some of us, we've grown despondent just because of life and circumstances. And it's to that place where without knowing it, we have lost hope, we've given up on patience and I just feel that God wants to reignite that he wants to use us where we are he doesn't want where we are now things doesn't need to change for God to manifest his fullness on our lives in circumstances but it's our hearts that need to change so maybe as we close our eyes if that's you that you just feel you yeah somewhere in your life you something happened and yeah, you haven't been able to move on from that. You almost still hold it against God. I think this is just a time just to bring that before Him and just yeah, repent of that. And it's not a necessarily an instant thing, but I want us just to start that process. So if that's you, just where you're seated, just raise your hand and I just want to pray for you. And, yeah, Father, we, yeah, we thank you just that for freedom's sake we have been set free, Jesus. And, yeah, we just come and repent, Father, for where we have been impatient in the process, where we have not been mature to, to, to go through the process of pruning, Father. But we, yeah, we thank you just for your goodness and your faithfulness and your character that stays the same, Father. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, just for a refreshment in that area, Father. We thank you just for your anointing over that areas of lives in Jesus' name, Father. Thank you that we declare that uh, the branches will be pruned again so that they may bear fruit, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for that, Father. And, yeah. Father, thank you also just for this any that just feel despondent um, because of of things that happened in life and without knowing it you've just given up hope almost and you're being despondent and the Holy Spirit wants to reignite that and call you back to what he's called you for. I just want to pray for that. So if that's you, you can also so just raise your hand. Just acknowledging. Oh. Father, thank you just as hands and you thank you just for that in our hearts, Father. We thank you just for a, a re- reignition of just your love in our hearts, Father. We thank you just for any lies to be exposed in Jesus' name, Father, that is keeping us in that place, Father. We thank you just for your, your hope that we have in Christ. Amen. So... This is obviously not a, a once-off, just 
thick in our lives, but it's something that will grow in as we go. So maybe Quivers, we can just close off with a song.